0: From Esther. Thank you. The reading is taken from Esther chapter 7, verses 1 to 8, and also chapter 8, verse 1 to verse 8. These can be found on page 505 in the Red Bibles. We also have Bibles in other languages and versions which are available at the back and page numbers for those can be found on the screen. I start from chapter 7, verse 1. So the king and Haman went to King Esther's banquet and as they were drinking wine on the second day, the king again asked, Queen Esther, what is your petition? It will be given you. What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition. And spare my people this is my request for I and my people have been sold to be destroyed killed and annihilated if we have merely been sold as male and female slaves I would have kept quiet because no such distress will justify disturbing the king King Zazek asked Queen Elster who is he where is he the man who has dared to do such a thing. Esther said, an adversary, an enemy, this vile Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and queen. The king got up in a rage, left his wine, and went out into the palace garden. But Haman, realizing that the king had already decided his faith, stayed behind to beg Queen Elizabeth, Queen Esther, for his life. Just as the king returned from the palace garden to the banqueting hall, Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was reclining. The king exclaimed, Will he even molest the queen while she is with me in the house? As soon as the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Then Habona, one of the eunuchs attending the king, said, a pole reaching to a height of 50 cubits stands by Haman's house. He had set it up for Modaka, who spoke up to help the king. The king said, impale him on it. So they put Haman on the pole. He had set up for Mordecai. Then the king's fury subsided. That same day, King Zazel gave Queen Esther the estate of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai came into the presence of the king. For Esther had told how he was related to her. The king took off his ring, which... He had reclaimed from Haman and presented it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed him over Haman's estate. Esther again pleaded with the king, falling at his feet and weeping. She begged him to put an end to the evil plan of Haman the Agagite, which he had devised against the Jews. Then the king extended the gold scepter to Esther and she arose and stood before him. If it pleases the king, she said, and if he regards me with favor and thinks it the right thing to do, and if he is pleased with me, let another be written overruling the dispatches that Haman, son of Hamedatha, the Agagite, devised and wrote to destroy the Jews in all the king's provinces. For how can I bear to see disaster fall on my people? How can I bear to see the destruction of my family? King Zazzès replied to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew. Because Haman attacked the Jews, I have given his estate to Esther and they have impaled him on the pole he set up. Now, write another decree in the king's name on behalf of the Jews as seems best to you, and seal it with the king's signet ring, for no document written in the king's name and sealed with his ring shall be revoked. This is God of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God.
1: George, thank you very much for reading that passage to us, uh, which we're going to spend a few minutes uh, looking at. Shall we pray uh, as we do so? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you is a word that speaks to us, and we pray it would speak to us this morning, and that through it we would see joy uh, and happiness and delight in you. Amen. Well, it's a, a big day in the life of our church today, uh, as this afternoon Paul becomes our new rector, uh, if we're not flooded out by then, um, or uh, I apologise for the buckets that are currently ar- around, but it's, a, it's an exciting day uh, for us. Um, I, someone was telling me that uh, since 1953, they've known nine rectors. I don't know what number Paul is in the, in the big scale. If anyone knows further back than 1953, they can uh, let me know later. Um, but as a staff team, we're really excited to have Paul back, not least, because he's had six weeks off and we want a holiday. Um, but uh, no, we are really excited. I think he's looking forward to it too. Um, So join us this afternoon, Uh, you'll hear more about it later, but um, there's cakes mounting up. Thank you to everyone who's bought cakes. I will taste test them all later for you to tell you which one's the best, Uh, uh, but it's going to be a great day. It's a day of celebration, a day to get excited, Uh, and it's a day of uh, celebration and excitement uh, as we reach this point in the story of Esther. We've been working our way through Esther over the last few weeks, and it's a day that uh, core celebration. It's the day that the Jews still celebrate, even today in the festival of Purim. It's going to happen in March this year. Uh, And so as we come to this uh, significant day, we say, why is it so important uh, to God's people? Well, let's remember uh, the story so far. Uh, Chapter three, we're introduced to Haman. Uh, Haman was uh, the king's uh, Right-hand man, he was honoured uh, by King Xerxes. Everyone had to bow to Haman uh, as, uh, as he walked past. Uh, so he's a man who was strong and powerful uh, in the kingdom. But there's one problem for Haman, uh, and that was Mordecai. Uh, Mordecai was a Jew. He would not bow down uh, to Haman. Uh, and uh, refusing made Haman furious. So much so, he wasn't just going to wipe out Mordecai. He was going to wipe out the whole uh, of the, all the Jews. Kill every single Jew in the Persian Empire. And so we got to uh, that point in, in chapter 3. We had uh, Mordecai and Esther, and they looked weak. And they were facing death. Now, Haman didn't know that uh, Queen Esther was a Jew. Uh, He didn't know that in chapter 4, Queen Esther uh, promised Mordecai that she would go and plead on behalf uh, of uh, the Jews to the king, willing to give her own life to save her people. Uh, Actually, uh, as we've been reading through the story, we don't know if she's going to be successful or not. Well, last week, we started to get the hints that she would be. There was a sleepless night for the king. Uh, the chronicles of the kingdom were read. Mordecai should have been honoured and hadn't been. So who had to walk him round their city in a place of honour? No other than Haman, the guy who wanted the Jews dead. It's starting to unravel. But that sleepless night is actually going to prove even more of a pivotal uh, point in the whole of the story uh, of Esther. Because today, what we saw started a little bit last week, we're going to see today as a great reversal. See, by the end of chapter 8, it is uh, Esther, Mordecai, and God's people who are strong and powerful. It is Haman, who is weak and dead. It's the culmination of God's silent sovereignty we've been tracking through this book, working to preserve and protect his people. So how does that great reversal come about? Come with me uh, to Esther chapter 7, uh, page 505. you close your Bibles, do so you have them in front of you? And we'll pick up the story there uh, at the start of chapter 7. Uh, as King Xerxes and Haman are attending Queen Esther's second banquet. Uh, it's uh, like the first banquet. Uh, they are being well fed. There's plates full of the finest cuisine. Uh, there is uh, drink in the cups. The cups are never going empty. Um, uh, and it's pretty non stop for the kitchen staff. The, the, the banquet is now in its second day. It's lavish, it's impressive, and things are going well. So the merry king asked the queen uh, why she's put on this great feast. What's her request? And she answers in verse 3. Then the queen answered, If I have found favour with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition. And spare my people. This is my request. For I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. Our king Xerxes is intrigued. He's surprised and realizes what's been going on. I mean, it's not surprising given how much wine he seems to drink uh, that he doesn't realize much of what's going on. Um, but he wants to know more. Verse five. King Xerxes asks Queen Esther, "Who is he?" Where is he, the man who has dared to do such a thing? Esther said, An adversary, an enemy, the vile Haman. Suddenly, all's revealed. Queen Esther reveals herself as a Jew for the first time. Haman's plot against the Jews is revealed. The threat to the queen's life, he having put on two amazing banquets for the king, is currently in his good books. That threat is also revealed. So Haman is terrified. And Xerxes' face turns red with rage. Verse 7. The king got up in a rage, left his wine, and went out into the palace garden. But Haman, realizing that the king had already decided his face, stayed behind to beg Queen Esther for his life. Just as the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet hall, Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was reclining. The king exclaimed, will he even molest the queen while she is with me in the house? King Xerxes walked in, you see, just at the moment that Haman was begging for his life, sort of climbing on top of Esther, uh, requesting a pardon. And Xerxes sees the situation as completely different. Haman's fate is definitely sealed now. And there's a eunuch there, you can tell him about the pole um, that, Morde- that Haman has put up for Mordecai. And Haman is sentenced to death. Verse 10. So they impaled Haman on the pole. He had set up for Mordecai. Then the king's fury subsided. I mean, it's a dramatic twist, isn't it? If we've been tracking the story. It's a great reversal. Queen Esther stood up for her people. Against an enemy that seems so strong and powerful. But as she stood up against that strong and powerful enemy... That enemy has become crushed, utterly defeated. And we can't get to this point if we track in the story of Esther uh, and not realise who's behind it all. Now, I don't want to downplay Esther's part. Esther is a a heroine. She was brave. She was wise. She's uh, God's instrument that's used to preserve and protect his people. But the whole way through Esther, we've been seeing God's silent sovereignty. And it's him who's directing events here. His name is never mentioned. But as we go through, it's clear. Esther is here for such a time as this. God gave King Xerxes that sleepless night. God allowed the two banquets to take place. God gave Esther the strength and courage to speak. God ensured that King Xerxes entered the room just as Haman looked like he was molesting Esther. God ensured that the eunuch in the room knew about the giant pole that had been set up uh, by Haman it was God that ensured his enemies, his people's enemies were defeated. It was God who caused this great reversal to happen. It's been tracking through Esther to this point, but it's not quite complete yet. See, King's fury subsided, but there's still the problem hanging over them, uh, over the G's of that edict. It's uh, carried out on the 13th day of the 12th month, uh, where they might seem to be dead. They need salvation still. And so Esther and Mordecai are aware of this. And 8 verse 3, they plead to King Xerxes again. 8 verse 3, Esther again pleaded with the king, falling at his feet and weeping. She begged him to put an end to the evil plan of Haman the Agagite, which he had devised against the Jews. Now, as part of my prep for... Uh, Esther, I've been reading uh, this book by Jane McNab, *Daylight at Midnight*. It says it's reflections for women on Esther. I found it very helpful. Um, so, uh, yeah, but she makes a, a really helpful point um, about this bit. You see, personally, Esther uh, ha- is in a good place, isn't she? At the end of chapter seven, she's got an improved marriage, she's uh, got a substantial honour and an vast property. And so going to the king again, well, she risks seeming ungrateful. She risks uh, breaking the royal etiquette. She risks her life. It'd be so easy, wouldn't it, for her to settle in the comfort that she's now in? Mordecai safe. She's safe. But as Jane McNabb says, Esther wasn't interested in temporary happiness and ease. Luxury, honor, and a better marriage weren't enough. She still wanted more, much more. She wanted the lives of her people. So she has the courage to put other people before herself. She's willing to take those risks that God's people might be saved. So Esther approaches the king again. And again, the king is willing to listen. But the edicts that's already written can't be revoked. And so you get another surprise. Come on, it's got to work again, isn't it? Uh, another surprise. Esther and Mordecai are given permission to write their own edict. It's there in 8 verse 8. Whatever they want. You go and write it. Seal it with the signet ring that is now belongs to Mordecai. Send it around the kingdom. So they come up with this new edict for allowing the Jews to defend themselves. Uh, And next week, as we reach the 13th day of the 12th month in the story of Esther, we will see that happening. But can you see this great reversal? Haman, God's enemy, he seemed so strong and powerful, he's now weak and dead. Esther, Mordecai, and God's people, he seemed so weak and faced death and now strong and powerful. It's a great reversal, and it's a great reversal that foreshadows what we see in the Lord Jesus. See, God's people have a strong and powerful enemy, Satan. He's had us in the grip of sin. Ever since that first encounter with humanity in the Garden of Eden, he has been undermining God's words, questioning God's goodness, tempting us to sin, leading us into shame and death. And yet Jesus came. Uh, and on that cross, uh, through his resurrection, that a great plan of God's sovereignty came about to make that great re- reversal happen again. See, Jesus gave up the luxury, the status, the honor he had in heaven, because he wanted the lives of his people. He went to the cross. He looked weak. He died. It looked like Satan had won. But three days later, he rose again. He defeated death. He made Satan look weak. He condemned Satan to death. And he brought us, his people, those trusting in the Lord Jesus with him. To that place of, a place of strength and power. This is how Paul puts it to the Ephesians. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. And it's by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, In Christ Jesus. There's that great reversal for all of us. We were dead. In our sins. He's made us alive. With Christ in the heavenly realms. That's true for anyone who's a Christian. If you're here this morning. You're not yet a Christian. Then that's something that's on offer for you too. Just ask God to do that reversal in your life. Being taken from death and weakness, to life, power, strength, seated with Christ. It's true. And I know some of you have probably seen that thing, but I don't see it. God's enemy still seems strong and powerful. And as a Christian, I often feel so weak. And I get it. You know, I I know that feeling. Because the Bible talks we're still in a spiritual battle. But it's a spiritual battle against a defeated enemy. Satan's days are numbered. The war is won. There's just that last bit of uh, enemy resistance fighting. But a victory parade is coming. Uh, And on that day when Jesus returns, we'll see uh, even more of this great reverse. We'll see it in all its glory. Uh, Revelation 20 tells us, Satan will be thrown into the lake of fire, utterly defeated, never to bring any evil on the world again. And we'll see our victorious hero. The Lord Jesus will see him in his full strength, his full power. God's working to bring that day about. He was in the time of Esther, as we've been seeing, and he's working still today to preserve and protect his people. And as we've seen that salvation, well, that leads to a joyful celebration. And he certainly did uh, amongst the Jews in Persia. Look at uh, chapter 8, verse 15. We didn't read this bit, so uh, page 507, chapter 8, verse 15. When Mordecai left the king's presence, he was wearing royal garments of blue and white, a large crown of gold and a purple robe of fine linen. And the city of Caesar had a joyous celebration. For the Jews, it was a time of happiness and joy, gladness and honor, in every province, in every city to which the edict of the king came, there was joy and gladness among the Jews with feasting and celebrating. And many people of other nations became Jews because fear of the Jews had seized them. See, there's even more reversals. Haman it was who was honored in the first half of the book, now it's Mordecai. Not only honored, but even higher than Haman ever was. The Jews, if you look back in chapter 4, verse uh, 3, were mourning, fasting, weeping, and wailing. Now, in chapter 8, verse 16, they are happy, joyful, glad, and full of honor. Oh, it, it makes sense, doesn't it? They were saved from death to life. Uh, this is a picture of um, Clifford Williams Jr. and his nephew Nathan Myers. And apologies for those who came on the Roots weekend away, and if already had this illustration, but I'm going to use it anyway. These guys were convicted in uh, 1976 uh, of murder, and they were put to death. Uh, on, uh, no, sorry, they were put on death row uh, in Florida. Uh, the conviction came because of evidence from the. Uh, the victim's girlfriends who said that these guys were uh, standing at the end of the bed uh, and, and shot the victim. But 43 years later, new evidence came to life. Uh, the bullets that uh, killed the victim, they found out were actually shot from outside. They, they rechecked um, these uh, two guys and they found no gun residue on either man. Uh, and then they started asking some people around at the time, and 40 witnesses... Uh, said that these guys were at a party at the time of the murder. Now, talk about being let down by your defence lawyer. But uh, leaving that, uh, and even the defence lawyer aside, when these facts were uh, found, these two men were exonerated and released. Forty-three years of facing death on death row. Now alive, and look at their faces. I'm sure there was a bit of a party that night. There certainly was uh, for the G's. Uh, in Persia, in verse 17, tells us that they celebrated their rescue. The way that God had worked those chain of events, they still celebrate it today. Sign and sovereignty of God to preserve and protect his people. We'll hear more about the Fest of Purim uh, next week. But our salvation in the Lord Jesus is an e- equally a source of joy and celebration. We've been rescued from death to life. Uh, in fact, possibly even more, because we mean rescue uh, rescued to eternal life. Strength and power. And so as we look at this uh, section of Esther, I think it leaves us with a couple of questions to ponder. When was the last time you thought about your salvation in Jesus and were filled with joy? When was the last time you thought about your salvation in Jesus and were filled with joy? that's not happened for a while or if it's never happened and take some time this week to uh, read uh, and meditate uh, on a bit of scripture that talks about that great reversal that jesus did maybe maybe go to ephesians 2 that i read out late earlier see as we see the depth of our sin we can be awakened uh, again to the, the rescue and the glory that's now ours in christ we're seated in the heavenly realms we can see god's enemy as weak We can see God's enemy as the one now facing death. We can see us in the Lord Jesus and celebrate it. Second question. When was the last time you were so full of joy at salvation that you couldn't help tell people about it? When was the last time you were so full of joy at salvation you couldn't help tell people about it? See, joyful celebration attracts people. Uh, In Persia, you can see there in uh, verse 17 that people began to associate with the Jesus. Fear of the Jesus is a fear that's kind of um, an attraction there. And that's attraction still attracts people today. As we're hearing, they see events week happening uh, this week. Wouldn't it be a great thing to be praying, if you're involved uh, or if you're praying for the events week, That students uh, wouldn't be inviting friends or talking to people out of the gospel out of duty. But actually it's out of a deep joy in their salvation they have in Christ. Wouldn't that be a great thing to be praying for all of us? Whether it's for our our workplaces, our our homes, our neighbourhoods, the lecture hall, amongst our family and friends. That we'd have a deep joy in our salvation, it means we just can't help celebrate and tell people about it. See, as we stand back uh, and look at the story uh, of Esther, we've got one more week to go, but as we look at what we've seen so far, that silent sovereignty of God, preserving and protecting his people, we see that, that, that great reversal, that defeated enemy that seems so unlikely in chapter 3. We're amazed. Uh, at this true story. I know people have been amazed when we go through it. People have been telling me that. As we're filled with that awe and wonder uh, at what's happened in Esther, well then fill that same awe and wonder in your life. Because this is your story. It's the great reversal that's happened for each of us in the Lord Jesus. We're remembering it in a moment around communion. From weakness and facing death to life with strength and power, the great reversal of our lives, there's nothing better to celebrate. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for that great reversal that we see in Esther. And thank you that it is there in our lives too, through the Lord Jesus. If we don't know that great reversal yet, we pray that you would uh, show us our need for it and how you've achieved it through the Lord Jesus. And Lord, for those of us who do know it, we pray that you would fill us uh, with uh, joy and gladness, with celebration, with happiness. And Lord, our lives would spill out with praise and worship of you. So much so, we just have to tell people about what an amazing God you are. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.